It is Halloween time and we wanted to bring you an episode that's all about candy. How much should we eat or how much should we think about candy? What to give out for Halloween? Should we let our kids eat candy or what rules should we establish around candy? Um, when I asked y'all some on my Instagram stories about what questions you had for Crystal around Halloween and candy, these are some of your questions. Number one, what to say if your kids eat too much and they get sick. Number two, is it damaging to not let your kids have candy and maybe give them a, a gift card or do the switch, which is what we've heard before. Um, we will answer these in the episode, but I'll go ahead and add in one question and response from Crystal, which is this, what does she pass out for Halloween? And she says that she typically takes her kiddos out trick-or-treating, so they don't end up passing out Halloween candy, but they have donated candy to a church harvest party. And to do that, they end up buying a few Costco-sized bags of chocolate and gummy mixes. So this is not to say this is what you should do, but hopefully once you listen and you'll get a better idea of what is right for you. I will say that if you have more questions around sugar by the end of our conversation, you can listen to episode 21 where Aubrey, she is another registered dietitian. She talks about the idea of sugar addiction. So the, what we really want to emphasize in this episode is caring about the kid in front of you. If you're a parent, or if you don't have kids caring for the you that exists at this moment in time, when it comes to your health, there really are no formulas. We are bio-individuals, we are each God's children, and you need a personalized plan fit for you at any point in time. I do believe that you can follow Jesus for your health. He will lead you to where you need to go and what you need to do. And sometimes he leads us to people that he has equipped to help in very specific ways. So we will list Crystal's information um, in the show notes, and we talk about that at the end of where you can work with her. But she... Um, you can go to her if you want more help with maternal and child health. I highly recommend working with Crystal. Um, and if you're just simply tired of thinking about food, worrying about your weight, and are sick of counting calories, um, we can help there too. You can set up a free 15-minute call with us. Just go to joyfulhealth.co. You can click on the book a call button and schedule a time to chat. We can't wait to help you find peace with food and your body by grace. Okay on to the episode. Welcome to the Joyful Health Show. I'm your host, Casey Schuler, mom, personal trainer, and Bible study author. And I'm here to help you discover joyful health by grace. Hello, Joyful Health friends. This is Casey, and I have a special guest here with me today, Crystal Cargus. Crystal, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to finally be here with you. Yes, me too. I have followed Crystal's work for years now, and I think she was very influential in being able to help me think of a different way, and especially with um, kids and candy, which is why I asked her to be on this episode with me. But Really, she's done so much amazing work in this field, and I can't wait to share with you the freedom that she has experienced, that she teaches, and that we get to share with you um, around just sweets and general candy um, and releasing you from fear around that, whether that causes um, internal wrestlings or 
um, or fights with, with your kids. We just want to be able to, to speak peace into this area and to bring a little bit of knowledge, um, that can also kind of dissipate that fear around it too, because there is a lot of noise out there around sugar. Um, and so we are particularly talking about Halloween, but we know that candy comes up in almost every season, every holiday. Um, so a little bit more about crystal. She is a maternal child health specialist and mom on a mission to help other mothers end the generational legacies of diet culture in their homes so that their families can enjoy a better relationship with food and bodies free from guilt and shame. Yes. And amen to that. Okay. So Crystal, tell us a little bit about your personal story. Um, how did you come to this place in your work and how you, um, help others and maybe how God met you there as well? Yeah. Thanks so much, Casey. I appreciate the kind introduction. It's such a joy to be here and to dive into this conversation. Yeah, it's interesting. I came into this path really through my own struggles in my relationship with food. I struggled with an eating disorder through my late teens and early 20s. And it's it's amazing how the Lord did meet me through that struggle. Mm-hmm. And looking back, just realizing how he orchestrated the right people in my life and connections to resources for healing. And thankfully, I was able to find healing from that before entering my motherhood season. Mm -hmm. However, it was having kids that really just brought up a lot of that old stuff right to the surface. And like you said, there's so much conflicting information out there about what it means to raise a healthy kid or what do we do with sweets and sugar? And I just remember feeling so overwhelmed and bombarded by all the resources, all the information, and really struggled to trust myself and found myself struggling to trust my own children, especially my, my first couple, you know, and there's different things that came up for me in my own motherhood journey that brought the eating piece straight to the surface for me. So for example, my second daughter was a late preterm and we had a lot of early breastfeeding struggles. And I just remember being told you can't let her dictate when to feed her basically. Mm -hmm. And there's just like this deep seated belief from a really young age that I couldn't trust my daughter. I couldn't trust her body that I had to micromanage. I had to track how many ounces that she of milk she was taking in and we were constantly monitoring her weight. And I just found that whole time to be so triggering for me, especially with my eating disorder history. And thankfully the Lord did bring us through that. And it really ended up shaping the trajectory of my career and what I ended up pursuing for work because I just found this burden for other mothers who are navigating similar seasons and trying to figure out how to best care for their children and their families while also still navigating maybe some old embedded rules around food or Mm -hmm. trying to find peace in a body that has changed dramatically through motherhood and through birthing and growing babies. And so thankfully that has led me to the work that I'm blessed to do today. I have an online private practice and am able to work with moms and, and really in different facets when it comes to feeding kids in different 
seasons, right? There's like feeding babies. And once our kids get older and start having exposure to foods, maybe outside our home with like sweets, for example, this is where I find that a lot of parents can just feel that angst around food come back. It's like, regardless of what your history has been now, when you're faced with feeding somebody else, all of those floodgates can just open wide open. You know what I mean? And, and so much of so much more confusion and fear can come right into these vulnerable seasons. And so I'm just really passionate about meeting moms in this place and helping them find more of that freedom, because I believe that it's possible. And that's what the Lord wants for us. So yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I think most of us can relate to that in some form or fashion, especially if, if we have kids ourselves, or even if we just take care of kids, it's like it, they, <laughs> I, I used to think of like, oh, this, my, you know, toddler, she's giving me a hard time. And it was like, oh no, she's having a hard time, but it's triggering the something else in me that I feel like I have to control this person. It's because I don't, I feel out of control. And so, you know, I'm projecting that on her. And so, and that's devastating as a mom and thinking that like, I'm, you know, like this is coming out because I have this like unresolved, unprocessed stuff with me and I'm not able to take care of her. And and in that way, because of that. And so, Mm -hmm. um, and, and even, you know, I didn't start work with intuitive eating until a few years ago. And so it was like at least halfway through my nine-year-old's life. And there was a lot of micromanaging with food, a lot of, you know, fighting around the table and, and not being on the same page with my husband about how we are feeding ourselves and the kids. And I just was like, health is just so important to me. And, and I want it to be important to them too. And then that was just, (laughs) and I, I was very, a little little bit more narrow-minded back then about what I know now, but, um, what kind of do you see as far as like the, the biggest issues that parents, that families have, or that maybe that kids have around sugar in general? Yeah, it's a great question. And I've seen many different things and I can speak a little bit from myself first and then share other things that I've seen, but definitely for moms who have had that history of just a tumultuous relationship with food and their bodies, it's like having kids just sparks this strong desire where it's like, I do not want, I want to do everything in my power to ensure that my kids never face the same type of struggles that I do. And I definitely relate to that because I feel like that's where I was coming at it from. But sometimes it's like so much pressure on your Mm -hmm. own shoulders where you're like hyper vigilant to every single thing that your child is doing and reading into things and reading all the books and all the resources. And I think that can be overwhelming Mm -hmm. and cause you to lose sight of the child in front of you. Um, And certainly I think that there's just this aspect of navigating what is it like now to take my child's preferences into consideration, but not let that dictate the whole show of how we feed our family. And that's something that I see very commonly too, where it's Mm. that conflict around, okay, I want my child to learn how to eat different things, 
but they only ever want to eat mac and cheese or goldfish or cookies. And so how do we navigate this? So I see it in a lot of different ways, but those are kind of two sides of the coin in some way. But kids are different in terms of coming into the world with their own preferences, their own ways in which they eat and their own unique sensory profiles. I mean, they're just so individual and it's easy to project what we think they should be doing, especially around food or their appetites or their body sizes. And so it's really difficult sometimes to separate our own desires from what our children are actually capable of doing, especially when it comes to food. And this is some of the different things that I see when it comes to feeding our kids and navigating that with them. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> and maybe we can go into both of those. Um, and I think they can probably both relate to the subject of sugar and quote sugar addictions, <laughs> things like that. Um, and what I hear you saying, what I think will be kind of the thread um, for this conversation is not to lose sight of the child in front of you. Yeah. So I think that's going to be really important. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay. So what, and I have, there's this Instagram post that you have that I feel like m- maybe it's your most popular one. I'm not sure, but the title is I let my kids have candy for breakfast. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. I was not <laughs> expecting that to take off the way it did. And that was such an interesting experience because Basically, what I'm trying to say through that post is we don't have to have any hard or fast rules around sweets. That doesn't mean that we just are nonchalant or lackadaisical about it and just let our kids, you know, have free reign of the fridge and the pantry. And we, and we just like don't care about what they eat. What I was trying to say is that oftentimes when it comes to feeding our kids, we still have this innate desire to want to micromanage them. Mm -hmm. And for many of us, that translates as these embedded food rules that are still being projected in how we feed them, where it's like, well, I grew up where you didn't get dessert unless you finished everything on your plate. And dessert was just this really elevated thing that was up on a pedestal. And that creates just a lot more obsessiveness around it. But I think a lot of us grew up like that. And so Mm -hmm. this idea of, well, why not just let your kid have a piece of candy with breakfast, you know, like, but I was just surprised at how revolutionary and countercultural that idea came across where so many people, it ruffled so many feathers because just like, no way, like you can't give your kid candy with breakfast Mm -hmm. because that means you don't care about their health or mm. you're just being lazy. And so it was interesting to see some of the pushback on that. But I think the hidden, not the hidden, the the underlying message here is that we need to be aware of how we're coming into the feeding relationship with our children. And are we bringing these embedded food rules with us and how we feed them because they're going to pick up on that. And our kids can internalize our own anxiety around food or candy or sweets. Mm -hmm. And whether it's spoken directly to them or they're picking up on our mannerisms or our behaviors, these are all things that our children are very attuned to. And they're going to see if there's rules around candy, like, oh, why do we only have candy one day a week? And why do we have to eat so many vegetables and fruits? Like, 
they start to build that dichotomy around food, which we know can be a trigger for disordered eating as they grow up. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely a lot there, but um, it's funny that you brought that post up. I haven't thought about that for a long time. And there was so much backlash. I was like, I think I just want to crawl back into a hole and <laughs> get off of social media for a while. <laughs> backlash, but also I think it really helped a lot of people because that is an unspoken rule. Maybe it, maybe it's spoken inside the home, but like no candy for breakfast or you can have candy with a fruit or a vegetable or you can't have it until you eat your fruit or a vegetable or like especially Halloween candy. There's lots, so many different like uh, strategies that I that I see being spoken out into the internet about how to deal with Halloween candy. Um, as far as like, you can let them have a piece a day, just let them have the whole bag and let themselves get sick or they can trade it in for, you know, whether there's like cutesy little names for like, they swap the candy for the, some prize or money or something like that. Oh, yeah. Like the um, switch, Witch. yes, there we go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what do you think I mean, I think you've already kind of talked about this, but for you, maybe in your family, what do y'all do about Halloween candy? Yeah, it's such a great question. And I think these holidays, as stressful as they can be, are such great opportunities for our children. You know, our children are born with these innate abilities to eat and self-regulate what they need. However, they also need experiences to help them refine and grow those skills that they already have. It's kind of like riding a bike, right? It's like you have the capabilities, but you still need opportunities to develop that skill. Mm -hmm. And I think these candy-centered holidays in which there's a higher volume of sweets are great opportunities for our children to learn how to manage and self-regulate a higher volume of sugar. Because the reality is we live in a world where all of these foods exist. And it's so important to have this big picture view in mind when we're thinking about feeding our children. Because the reality is they are going to grow up, they're going to leave our homes, and if they haven't had those opportunities to learn how to eat in these different experiences, whether it's a holiday or eating at school or at a friend's house, it can make food even more chaotic for them as they grow up and get older. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I hear with a lot of women that I work with is that you know, I wasn't allowed to have candy or there was a lot of stipulations or there was a lot of control. And then when I grew up and I went to college or I was on my own, food became so chaotic and I ended up binging on a lot of things or a lot of sweets or whatever that might look like because there weren't opportunities to learn how to do that growing up. And Mm. that's definitely part of my story too, where there was just so much control and micromanaging around sweets that sweets became part of my eating disorder. And I didn't, they always felt chaotic for me. I didn't know how to eat them in a way that felt and aligned with what my body needed because I felt so deprived of them growing up. Mm. And that's something that we want to be aware of. I know it can be overwhelming. I know it can be stressful, but our kids really 
can benefit from these opportunities. And to your question, sorry, I went on a little <laughs> tangent, but you know, it doesn't mean that we're just walking into it with, with a nonchalant, like we don't care attitude. We do care. And we, we want to be intentional about incorporating sweets for our children because we do care. We want them to learn how to self-regulate them. We want to normalize it for them. So it doesn't become escalated in their mind. Mm -hmm. And so for us during Halloween, we definitely let our children have access to the candy that they collect with trick-or-treating. And we live in a neighborhood that gives out so much candy. I mean, one time we had to go out with like multiple bags because one little bucket was just not going to cut it. And I get it as a parent, if you have not had the experiences growing up where you were trusted with that volume of sweets or candy, it can feel really overwhelming or even distressing to see your child have that experience. Mm -hmm. We also want to remember that they need those opportunities. And yes, sometimes children do overeat. But this is a key piece of intuitive eating because they're collecting data essentially and information about what feels good in their body and what doesn't. So we usually do let our children have access to whatever they collected that night. And it's become a really fun tradition over the years where they dump out their candy and they kind of sort it and they trade with each other, you know, because some of my kids love chocolate. Some of them love the gummies and we just make it a really low key and fun experience for them. Mm. And it's taken some time. I'm not going to try to create this idea that this was always easy for me because it was really challenging in those first few years. But that was because of my own experience and history that was being projected. Mm -hmm. But it's so healing to watch my children be able to eat their candy and enjoy it put it away. And then we just kind of take it out in the following days. So we bring it out, we let them pick out some to have with meals or snacks. And really within a few days, they're kind of over it, which is so funny. I literally just cleaned out Halloween candy from last year that I found in a bowl <laughs> that I forgot was there. And it was like a huge amount that my kids totally forgot about and didn't didn't want, obviously. And so I ended up throwing it all away. But this is the approach that can help our kids get to that point where when there isn't this sense of deprivation around it, they don't feel like this FOMO, like I have to eat it all because I don't know when I'm going to have it next. Mm. And that really supports them in being able to learn how to regulate eating it. Yeah. Okay. That's really helpful. Um, <laughs> I know there's I a lot there. <laughs> No, yeah, no, that's all very important. And I think, you know, being able to look at the big picture of, okay, there is, I can like already sense the fear for other people listening to this because I had that myself too of like, if I let my kid have free reign over the candy, they are going to overeat. But like you said, they probably will, but they're collecting data and that's this is short term. Like they have to be able to figure this out because long term, they're going to live in their bodies for, a lot longer, they're going to leave the house and they need to know how to regulate. And you're providing that safe structure to do that at mm -hmm. home first. And so I think that's really important to be able to allow that experience, um, knowing that it's going to benefit in the long run. Hey, so I hate to interrupt, but to keep our episodes short and sweet, 
we have split this conversation into two parts. You can find the rest of our conversation on the podcast next Tuesday. So just take some time to digest what you've already learned today and come back next week to hear scripture that supports freedom from fear of candy, how allowing candy can impact your kids' health in a positive way, navigating parental judgment around sugar, what the science says about the risks of restricting highly palatable food, and Crystal's number one tip for replacing fear with freedom around candy. Okay, we will see you then. Hey, congrats. If you are hearing this, that means you've made it to the finish line. Give yourself a high five for me. Thank you for listening all the way through. I hope and pray this episode has blessed you so that you can more fully enjoy God, glorifying him and blessing others. If you want to talk about this episode with more Joyful Health friends, join our free Facebook community. Head to joyfulhealth.co slash podcast and get connected with us there. Before you move on with your day, would you consider taking a moment with the Lord in prayer to process what you have heard in the podcast? Ask God what he is revealing to you about himself and what you can do in response. And for all my regular listeners, thank you in advance for writing a review and sharing this podcast with someone else who is tired of the wellness rules and is ready to rest in God's grace and the Holy Spirit's power for their health. A big giant thank you to all our podcast guests and to my husband, Maddox Schuler for writing and recording our podcast music. It takes a village and we are glad that you are a part of ours.